Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello and welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Glitter. I'm Amanda. That was a terrible movie and I'm saying that as somebody who hasn't seen it. It's still a terrible movie. Yeah, I agree. And that's Evan and this is the podcast. 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 That is working its way through the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of 200 definitive albums. We give you the history behind the album and how well it charted. Trying to figure out why it's on this list. And this week we are doing Aretha Franklin's Sparkle. But before we get in that, I actually have not necessarily a correction, but a clarification from last week. Okay. I don't even know what last week was. I haven't gotten around to editing it, so. Yes, you did. Um, well, no, no, you didn't, wait. No, this is the second one in February. My bad. Sex Pistols. Okay. I just checked your edits, and there's- For two weeks ago, okay. Yeah, I have a clarification on that, because we had this brief moment where I I mentioned how their album art was similar to, like, Elvis Presley, and you would say, no, that's The Clash, which you are correct, the Clash did do the pink and the green in the same style as Elvis. But the Sex Pistols album actually had two different color concepts. So one was the yellow and black. And then the other one, Google it. I don't think I've seen the yellow and black one. Well, the other one is the pink and the green, but the, it's just, it's a pink black background and it has Sex Pistols in black, but then it also has that color, that green on it. So same color scheme, but not like the lettering like the Elvis album. I found that out today when I was getting the um, photos ready for Instagram. Oh, like that yellow? Yeah, because I see the yellow one with the pink. Yeah, but if you Google like images of it. So that that's why I wrote that, because I saw that. But oh, okay. You, you see what I mean? So it it was influenced by it, but it wasn't a direct, I guess, remake. Yeah, and I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think I'd consider that pink. Well, shut up! It is. So <laughs> we're just. Gonna, you're a man. You're wrong. <laughs> we're gonna get into this. Um, like I said, we're doing Aretha Franklin's Sparkle. It was released May 27th, 1976, and is is number 193 on this Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list. So Sparkle was Franklin's 29th album and was actually the soundtrack for a movie that told the story of a 1960s black girl group. This girl group was made up of sisters from Harlem who found success within the music business and focused on the fortunes and hardships that went along with it. And we'll come back to that. Remember that. I won't. <laughs> For this album, Franklin teamed up with another soul legend, the Impressions member Curtis Mayfield, which, spoiler alert, we're actually doing next week. Before this collaboration, the two were already very similar. Both came from the mid- Midwest. Franklin was from Detroit and Detroit, Michigan, and Mayfield was from Chicago, Illinois. Both had musical inspirations from black gospel, 
and both were heavily involved in voicing outrages during the civil rights movement and black power era. So you have these two powerhouses coming together to work on this. So Mayfield, he actually had split from the group the impressions and had moved into solo and production work, taking a huge interest in scoring movie soundtracks. This is where the two come together. And then later on in his career, he went to be, he became a quarterback in the NFL, right? You do not talk during this segment. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is where the two, they come together. Mayfield was brought in to work on the Sparkle soundtrack and had initially intended on using the film's cast for the film's score. They were singing in the film, so that should be used for the album, right? Was it them singing? In the, in the movie, yes. Okay. Because I know there are a lot, at least currently, that don't always sing or do the instruments. But I know, right. uh, I believe Gary Busey did. For Buddy Holly. I think that uh, Dennis Quaid. Do you I, know that I don't did? know for sure, but I know like Austin but, Butler did for Elvis. But more the older movies, they tend to. Yeah. To be like, more you take, authentic about it. Take You take Cry Baby. That's a musical. And it's not Johnny Depp singing. And it's not whoever plays Allison singing. So I, I get I get the question. But you but have... In, 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 in like Grease, it's them. Yes. Okay. In Sparkle, the movie, it was the singers. But um, he wasn't happy with that and he thought the film stars couldn't quote carry the full capacity and strength of his musical vision okay so enter aretha franklin at the time of sparkle's release franklin already had an incredible career spanning two decades and cementing her place as the queen of soul however that star was beginning to fade as big names like shaka khan natalie cole and roberta flack were making their presence known Franklin was not seeing the success she was years prior, and her previous two albums did not do well commercially. Her longtime producer and musical collaborator, Jerry Wexler, did not want to work with her anymore, so the president of Atlanta Records let her choose her own producer. She was the one who picked Mayfield, who was thrilled to get a chance to work with Franklin. So, that was a lot. A lot going on here. May, so Curtis Mayfield, he was a part of the Impressions. Okay. A group from Motown. Okay. In Motown Records. Aretha Franklin, huge. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge name. She also did a lot with Motown. So they knew of each other. They just never worked together before. So I want to clarify. So Mayfield was working in the film... Or on set, he in was, terms of they, he was hired by the movie to work with the music department. Essentially, yes, he okay. was hired by the movie to to create the soundtrack. the soundtrack. Did he seek out her? Or did she decide that she wanted to do this and then got in touch with him and said, "Hey, I want to do the soundtrack. Let me do the soundtrack." From what I understand, so she wanted to work with Mayfield. Okay. Like, um. The president of Atlanta Records gave her a list of producers to choose from. She wanted to work with Curtis Mayfield. At the time, 
Mayfield was working on the Sparkle soundtrack and did not like the direction it was heading. And so when Aretha's like, hey, I want to work with you, he's like, great, you would be perfect for what I'm okay. working on. So they didn't, she, he didn't necessarily want her, but she wanted to work with him on another project and then... He she wanted to work with him in general, and then he suggested this project. I essentially I okay. think that's what it was. So the soundtrack's eight songs were recording over were recorded sorry over five days, and are a mix of soul styled funk from Philadelphia with gospel based soul. It was a perfect blend that showcased Mayfield's vision and Franklin's vocals. So fun fact. Sparkle is the only Franklin album released after 1974 on Atlantic Records that is available on CD, digital, and streaming surfaces. Surfaces. That's what I just said. Streaming services. The other two albums prior and the three after have never been reissued. Okay, so the two that were essentially failures? Kind of, Before it are not on streaming? Yes. Are they on? Had they been released on CD? Do you know? They've never been reissued. So okay, so they were probably on the original vinyl. Yes. Okay. I didn't know she had that. So that's the background of it. Now, last week, do you remember who we did as part of our um, reviews days? Yes. That is a no. <laughs> we did Diana Ross. Yes, <laughs> I was like, I know, because I had, I had february in a playlist and i know we did outcast last week and we're doing this this week and there's a there's a supposed to be an album between there but it's not on my playlist anymore um do you know what group diane ross was a part of supremes right supremes so this movie sparkle it's telling the story of a 1960s black girl group is essentially based on... It's the essentially Supremes. the Supreme story without getting sued. Uh, kind of. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's the background of it. Okay. So Sparkle went to number one on the Billboard Soul Albums chart and number 18 on Billboard's main album chart in 1976. It went gold the same year and would go on to sell more than 500,000 copies. Sparkle was a huge hit for Franklin and gave the singer her first chart-topping song in two years. Something He Can Feel went to number one on Billboard's Hot Soul Singles chart and number 28 on Billboard's Hot 100 in the summer of 1976. So that is all I have. Okay, I have a question before you get started. Yes. Do you know anything about the performance of the movie, like how the the movie was received? I didn't dive into the movie um but a lot of so when i do a lot of this this research it's like reviews and people talking about it and not just like not not just simple facts about it it's like people and their experience and a lot of people regarded the movie highly okay and did you know well i'm sure i say this later but there was also a remake of it. Uh, no, I'm thinking Dreamgirls. Very close, very similar, but the movie the movie did well. The soundtrack did well, and it especially did well for her. Now, you cannot have any list of any kind without having Aretha on it. Yeah, you can. 
physically you can't. Would you like me to give you a list? No, please, can you not? You know what I meant by that. So, I'm not surprised that she's on here. I'm not surprised that this album is on here because it it was huge. I I don't know if I'm surprised about this album because I don't know enough of her body of work. Fair. Um, it, I think... I think that you you needed to have her on here. Don't necessarily know why this album. I like the story behind it, bringing a few things together, and I talk a little bit more about that coming up. I had no idea that it was for a soundtrack. Um, very interesting that. See, I go ahead. Very very interesting that her kind of. I guess the best way to say it, like, career rejuvenation came from a movie that she wasn't even in. You know what I mean? So, go, go ahead. No, this is, and it, it's not part of the review at all, but you know my issues that I had with the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Right. This I can make an exception for. Like, I can see something like this being on list because this is specifically designed for that with new material well and so okay let's use that as an example and there are some other soundtracks on this list as well but the forrest gump soundtrack is a it's basically a compilation that just goes along with the movie it it was done well i and i track like it the tracks are good tracks it just a greatest that I view that that would be, in my opinion, a greatest hits album. Right. Which the difference between that and Sparkle, and it's along the same lines of Prince, Purple Rain. Is this his music specific. specifically? Which is what I'm saying is I can make I can make an exception for something like this that is specifically designed for that or for Phantom right. of the Opera is specifically written for that piece, whereas. A Forrest Gump soundtrack is essentially a greatest hits, and therefore I would not include it on a list right. like this. Like Forrest Gump was a bunch of music picked for that movie. Sparkle, Purple Rain was written with that in mind. Yeah, it's not picked, and, and it's, I, it's I, one person. I think next week is similar. Well, don't spoil that. Thanks. Anyway. Well, I'm you gonna, already spoiled who it was. Yeah, but didn't give the history behind it. Give me thank you to my sources. Thank you to Aretha Franklin's Sparkle Turns 45 Anniversary Retrospective by Brandon Owsley, published May 27th, 2021 on albumism.com. Thank you to Sparkle by Andrew Martone, published July 4th, 2020 on 365daysofaretha.com. And thank you to... Aretha Franklin's Sparkled Review by Oman Labadebi, published December 16, 2021 on rocknyc.live. And that is it. I got all that information from just these three sources, so I was really surprised. Um, all right, Evan, give me your review. So I was trying to tell you before I was so rudely interrupted uh-huh. my thoughts on soundtracks and all that. I will I'll make... Like I said, I'll make an exception for this because it's specifically written for the film that it's going with. It's not like a greatest hits. Mm-hmm. And 
as much as I have issues with like Family Opera, and we we kind of talked about like how I need the visual component for that. Right. I don't need that here. Right. Now, if I knew it was a movie, I I saw soundtrack. I had no idea what the movie was. You know, I wasn't mm-hmm. following it close enough to kind of determine that. Um, from what I can gather, this is similar, in my opinion of it, to Elvis, where, hold on, mm-hmm. I, I see your face, and I raise you, just be patient. Okay. That I am familiar with the artist. I know, well, familiar as in, I know the name. I'm not overly familiar with the body of work i may know one or two things here or there but i think that in general a music list that is not like the the one that i was going to give you top 10 thrash artists she would not be on that list but a general overview of music lists should or list of music should include her same like that list should have an album at least one Elvis, right. something on it. I don't know if it's this album specifically or if it's her, but I didn't care for her. It's the same thing Rude. with Elvis. I understand that you need to have him on the list, but based on what I had heard, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. However, the difference is I've given Elvis more chances than her. And I know right. there's another chance that we're giving giving Elvis coming up. So be like, okay, you get three chances, and then... Three strikes, you're out. I have an opinion of you. This is... I'm not counting, I'm not counting respect as part of the strike rule. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know that album. So this is really the first experience I've had with her. I'm not a huge fan of it, but... I'm not shutting the door on listening to another album of hers. Like, I want to go not back when she was good, but back when she was popular and hear a couple of those. Like, I miss what year was Respect? I'm assuming that was before this. Um, I will look that up while you're finishing. I, I would assume that that came earlier in her career rather than later because you said the three albums after this were not a thing and that puts us 1967 i say that puts us going well that's still later than i thought it would have been but that puts us into late 70s and at that point it's not necessarily phased out but it's more towards the tail end of her career i would imagine based on the style that there's a there's a shift so i would like to hear some 60s stuff from her and then make a determination but if this is if you're asking me what i think of her based on this i would say a c to a c plus but if you're asking what I think of her as an artist, I can't give you an answer on that yet because this is the only experience that I have listening to her. 
So the album itself, I didn't care for, but I'm in, I am not shutting the door on listening to her again. That's fair. So you didn't keep anything? No. What did you give it? C to a C plus. C to a C plus. But that's also not having any prior knowledge going into it. This is I'm like, okay, this is Yeah. This it, is fine. It it's it's definitely you can tell this isn't my style and even if it's if it's not my style i'm i'm still likely to keep it in the range but it's it's definitely it and i didn't push to watch the movie like i pushed to watch purple rain um but i didn't do that here because aretha wasn't in it and it it was just like a complimentary piece it didn't like kind of like you didn't push to watch forrest gump because you don't need to watch the movie to understand Although we should because the movie's really good. Mm. My review? Yes. Okay. So, I need you to pay attention. Okay? <sighs> no. Yes. So, I know Aretha Franklin probably in the same way that many know her. To me, she's like Elvis. <laughs> I, I wrote these notes a long time ago. We do not confer. We do not have a pre-production meeting. It's just... We're going to start recording now. Go. <laughs> you know the and, name is huge. And I don't have notes, period, so you yeah. can't get my notes. Yeah. So you know the name is huge and you know why, but you don't really know why. Like, I, of course, know Respect is hers by name. The song is just so iconic. However, like Elvis, while I can immediately recognize her voice, I probably just can't can't rattle off just song titles. I was looking forward to this one, though. I love Motown music and kind of had a feeling which way I'd lean for this one. And after reading about Curtis Mayfield's connection with it, my interest was piqued. Can I help you? Can I tell you which way I lean? No. Right away, it just blew me away. To the I, left. I Shut up. I don't think I've ever really appreciated how powerful she was. Her voice was just magnificent. I didn't think I would recognize anything, but I did know something he can feel. And Vogue did a cover of that that was pretty popular in the 90s. The rest of it was new to me, and that makes me sad because I thought it was so good. I ended up only keeping two songs, and that's not to say the other six weren't good. They were. I just didn't really think that I would listen to them again. She's great on this, but I only really wanted to keep those two. I also had no idea that there was a movie attached to this. I've never heard of it. But then again, I've never heard of That's the, Where the, That's the Way of the World by Earth, Wind, and Fire. That album was a soundtrack for the movie, and no one has heard of the movie. I'm curious about this movie. The title and premise sounded familiar, so I did some digging on IMDb. And this was remade in 2012 with Jordan Sparks and Whitney Houston. Okay, that same was, name. That see, I was gonna say Jordan Sparks, but that sounded like it wouldn't fit just because Sparks Sparkle. I'm like, no, that yeah. that I can't. I you, that's gonna Dream be too Girls obvious. Wasn't far off, but that one had Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce. I'm fairly certain. I think Eddie Murphy. Maybe. So that's a movie that's been on my list that I've just never gotten to, but now I'm interested in the original as well. So I may have to check it out. And I read it was free on YouTube, by the way. Okay. So I kept Sparkle and something he can feel, and I gave it an A-. minus. 
So final thoughts, because Evan doesn't do these, I will give you mine. Overall, it was such a great album and a wonderful showcase of what Aretha Franklin could do. However, while I understand why Mayfield Mayfield went this direction, I do feel a bit sad for those singers in the few in the my god, I can't talk. I do feel a bit sad <laughs> for those singers in the film who don't get their full recognition. The cover of this album says it's music from the film, which is true, but features none of the artists. I don't think you see much of that now, so that makes me a little sad. However, for what it was, it, w- it was really great. I'm really looking forward to next week's episode now. And I've already said we're doing Curtis Mayfield, but I haven't told you what. So, Evan, would you like to get into birthdays? I had a thought before that, but I don't remember what that thought was. So we're just going to go into it. All right. Because that's how we roll here, right? That's how you roll. You're not prepared for anything. and You just show up and expect to do things in it to work out. I guess I'm not surprised that it's that low on the list. I'm surprised that it's there. But we've kind of talked on... What was the one? It's not Grand Funk Railroad. It was the other one that was in the 190s that we did just recently. I'll have to think on it. Maybe I'll pull up the the list while you're... Because I know we did one in the 190s and we're like, okay, this is... Why is this here? Because I know we had that discussion with Grand Funk Railroad. Um, anyway. So February 9th. American rock and roll and rhythm and blues singer Bobby Lewis. Best known for his 1961 hit singles Tossin' and Turnin'. Number one for seven weeks on the Billboard chart in the summer of 1961. And One Track Mind. Which, it gives me no information on that. Okay. 42. 25. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's embarrassing. You're off to a great start. American steel guitar player Billy Williamson. He was a member of Bill Haley and his Saddlemen. And its successor group, Bill Haley and his Comets. From 1949 to 1963. Williamson had the distinction of being the only Comet allowed to record lead vocals during Haley's tenure at Decca Records. Such as the song Hide and Seek on the 1956 album Rock and Roll Stage Show and B.B. Betty on the 1958 Bill Haley's Chicks album. 1930. 25. Barry Mann. Not a low. No. Barry Mann, U.S. singer, songwriter. Wrote many early 60s pop hits, including Saturday Night at the Movies, You've Lost That Loving Feeling, and Walking in the Rain. Also had the 1961 U.S. number 7 solo single, Who Put the Bomp in the Bomp? Bomp, Bomp, Bomp. Now I have that song stuck in my head. 1929. 39. Okay, we'll go to somebody that you'll know of, at least. Okay? Okay. Carol King. Yep. U.S. singer-songwriter who wrote many songs with... Is it Jerry Goffin or Joffin? Goffin, I think. Including the 1962 UK youth number 3 and U.S. number 22 single, It Might As Well Rain Until September. Well, depending on when that was released, I mean, that might not be too bad. I mean, if it was released in late August, that's fine. 
1970 U.S. number one album, Tapestry, has sold over 15 million copies and became a Grammy Award winner in 71. Not 1971. 71. Uh, 1941. 42. And isn't Tapestry on this list? Yeah, we're doing it in March. Surprise. Dennis Thomas, singer with Cool and the Gang, who had the 1981 U.S. number one and U.K. number seven single, Celebration, and the 1984 U.K. number two single, Joanna, plus over 15 other top 40 hits. Uh, 45. 51. So you'll know a few of these words that I'm going to tell you, okay? <laughs> okay. Holly Johnson, singer who was a member of Liverpool-based groups Big in Japan, and Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Okay. With the 1984 UK number one and US number 10 single Relax. I knew a lot of those words, actually. Um, 55. 60. God, you're making big jumps today. We'll do one more. It's a little tiny jump. Okay? Mm-hmm. Rachel Bolin from American heavy metal band Skid Row. The group achieved commercial success in the late 80s and early 90s with its first two albums, Skid Row and Slave to the Grind. Slave to the Grind reached number one on the Billboard chart. 70. 64. I told you it was a little gap. You didn't believe me. No, I didn't. I don't know why you wouldn't believe me. you've done me dirty before. So you want to just move to end this day so you don't have to guess anymore and yes. and be done dirty? Like the deeds? Dirt cheap. February 9th, 1959. Mercury Records released White Lightning by George Jones, which became the first number one single of his career. In his 1997 autobiography, I Lived to Tell It All, Jones mentioned the fact that the recording process of White Lightning was extremely lengthy after he arrived for the recording session under the influence of a great deal of alcohol, and it took him approximately how many takes to record his vocals? 17. 80. (laughs) I would like to hear some of the earlier takes. In 1961... The Beatles appeared at the Cavern Club in Liverpool for the very first time as the Beatles? Oh, okay. So they may have performed there earlier, but not known as the Beatles. Okay. They would go on to make a total of 292 other appearances at the club. They were paid five pounds. And which one was nearly denied admission? And for what reason? Ringo, just because. Ringo wasn't part of the band yet, I don't believe. Uh, Paul? George. Because? He was wearing jeans. Oh, blasphemy. Just a few years later, in 1964, the Beatles made their U.S. live debut on the CBS TV's show. What show? Ed Sullivan Show. They performed five songs, including their current number one, I Want to Hold Your Hand. How many people, never before had so many viewers tuned into a live television program, with a total of how many viewers? 934,000. 73 million, which was three-fourths of the total adult audience in the United States. In 1967, 
The film for the latest Beatles single, Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever, was shown on BBC TV's Top of the Pops. It was the first Beatles single not to hit number one in the UK since 1963. Okay? Yeah. What was at number one? What beat them? I'll take it. I'll give you the song. I just need the artist. Okay. The song was called Release Me. And I and I only know of this name because of the trivia that it's associated with keeping the Beatles off the top spot. I no, I don't know. Engelbert Humperdinck. Oh, okay. Do you know that name? It sounds familiar. only for that reason. Yeah. Speaking of the Beatles, we'll just kind of keep on that theme for a little bit. Kind of, because it's not really about the Beatles. In 1972. Paul McCartney's Wings played the first night of a UK college tour in Nottingham. The group arrived unannounced, asking social secretaries if they would like the band to perform that evening. The band's intended first stop on the tour refused to allow them to play, so they just kept driving. They just kept driving. Kept driving. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Admission was 40p. British pub rock band Brinsley Schwarz was the opening act for the tour. Do you know what the P stands for? British. Pence. <laughs> in 1980, look at me. In 1981, American singer and musician Bill Haley, who became known as the first rock and roll star, was found dead, fully clothed, on his bed at his home from a heart attack, aged 55. Scored the 1955 UK and US number one single Rock Around the Clock, as well as See You Later Splains. <laughs> uh, she's running around. See you later, alligator. Shake, rattle, and roll. Rocket eighty-eight. Skinny mini and razzle dazzle. Haley was blinded in his left eye as a child due to a botched operation, and later adopted his sti- his distinctive spit curl hairstyle to distract attention from his blind eye. In nineteen eighty-five, Madonna started a three-week run at number one on the U.S. album chart with. In 81? 85. 85. Uh, like a virgin. Yes. A number three hit in the UK. Speaking of Sex Pistols from a few weeks ago, I don't know if you know this story. Uh, the Bill Grundy interview, mm-hmm. where when he provoked the band into using obscenities on live TV. Do you know this story at all, vaguely? No. Okay. British broadcaster Bill Grundy died of a heart attack, age 69, in 1993. Conducted the famous Sex Pistols interview on television on December 1st, 1976, when he provoked the band into using obscenities on live TV. Okay. The broadcast wrecked his television career. He was also the first television presenter to present the Beatles on Granada Television on October 17th, 1962. Here's Here's an interesting one for you. And I say it's interesting only because it's interesting to me. Okay? Yeah. 1997. Scottish singer Brian Connolly. Do you know that name? I think so. With the 70s glam rock group Sweet. Okay. I think that's Ballroom Blitz. So you know who I'm talking about. Vaguely. Yeah. Died of kidney and liver failure, age 51. Replaced... So, this singer that I'll get to in a minute, and Wainwright's gentleman, who became Sweet Shop and then shortened to Sweet. Okay. Okay. He replaced Ian Gillen. 
later of these two bands. Do you have any guesses? No, I'll, but I know that name. I'll give you one. And I'm not I'm gonna give you the more difficult one. You'll be like, he was in that band? He was the singer for a brief period of Black Sabbath. Oh really? You know the I be, I'm I'm fairly certain I'm correct in my information. I'll look it up later. You know the filthy fifteen that we've talked about? Yeah. There's a Black Sabbath song on there called Trashed. Okay. He was the singer of that one. It's this the that's like the only good song on the album. It's it's the album is Born Again. It's a blue album cover with like a creepy looking devil baby on it. It's really weird. He was also in Deep Purple. Okay. Smoke on the water. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why I know the name because it does sound familiar. Yeah, he's got good range. Okay. In 2009, Ringo Starr became this number person to be added to the Hollywood Walk of Fame during a ceremony that marked the 50th anniversary of the attraction. The Beatles, as a group, were given a star in 1998. 462nd. Uh, added two on the front of that and then subtract just a few. Um, um, what number? 2401. I didn't realize there were that many. We'll do one more. Well, we'll do two more. Okay. In 2015, Bob Dylan turned the tables on his critics during a 30-minute speech at the Music Cares Charity Gala honoring his career. The 73-year-old, who rarely talks about his work, asked why critics complained he can't sing and sounds like a frog but do not say that about Tom Waits. The singer added, Critics say my voice is shot that I have no voice. Why don't they say those things about Leonard Cohen? Why do I get special treatment? Mm. And then look at me, because this is sad. We're going to end on a sad note. Okay? Do you know who Chick Korea was? Vaguely? Yes. I think so. Died in 2021. What? How do I know his name? Uh, as a member of Miles Davis's band in the late '60s, that's right. Participated in the re- in the birth of jazz fusion in the '70s. He formed Return to Forever along with Herbie Hancock, McCoy, Tyner, Keith Jarrett, and Bill Evans. Uh, jazz composer, keyboardist, band leader. His compositions: Spain, Five Hundred Miles High, Armando's. Rumba and Windows are widely Armando's Rumba, comma, and Windows are widely considered jazz standards. Like I know the name, I couldn't yeah. tell you any of his work. Right. But we'll, I'll end there for you. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram and Threads at Worst Pod on Mars, and Facebook at the Worst Podcast on Mars. You can send us an email, worstpodonmars at gmail uh come back on tuesdays where we do smaller episodes where we stay away from this rock and roll hall of fame list you can support us by leaving a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on but come back next week where we're gonna do curtis mayfield's superfly hey thanks for finally telling us what we're doing yeah bye